0: Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit. To be here with us now as we explore your word, Lord, and more importantly, the reality that your word points us to. Your son, Jesus, we ask, Lord, I ask for a sprinkling of the blood of Jesus over every individual in this room this morning that we would have clear minds and open hearts to receive from you, Lord. We thank you now for speaking to us and ask that you would be here making your word effective and fruitful in our hearts. It's in the mighty name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. How many people had coffee in Christian education class this morning? Woo! We got a co- commercial coffee maker and I'm testing the kind of the amount of grounds that need to go in there. And we learned this morning that it needs to be about half as much next week. So some of us are a little bit jittery. And if I talk kind of fast in my sermon today, that's why faster than usual. That is. If you could describe the ministry of Jesus, the center of the ministry of Jesus, or the center of the message of Jesus, in one to three words, what would you say? You can respond. The kingdom of God has come near. God loves you. Sacrifice. Salvation is a free gift. Merciful. Okay, good. You're awake this morning, especially those who drank the coffee. Now, probably the most popular answer to that question when asked is love or some version of love, God loves you or something like that. Now, in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which draw from the same material and so have a lot of overlapping material. So apart from the gospel of John, do you know how many times Jesus speaks of love? Two. Just two. Love God and your neighbor as yourself, and then later in Matthew's gospel, love your enemies, right? Actually, now love, of course, was important to Jesus. Actually, the center of Jesus' message is the kingdom of God. So Daryl got it. It, it permeated everything that he spoke of, whether directly or indirectly. He was pointing to the present reality that God's kingdom, his reign over the world, had broken into this realm in and through the person of Jesus. That was the center of his Preaching that was the center of his message and all that he did and spoke pointed to this reality, not a a, a kingdom with castles and military and soldiers, but a kingdom that was unseen that came through all of his ministry. Now, in the prophets, we see this kingdom hundreds of years before Jesus, this reign of God or this return of God prophesied about. Which is why we get Isaiah chapter 35 today. And Isaiah speaks to us about uh, a time of renewal when Israel's God would come to judge and to save and to restore. That he would come and visit his people. And so what we get here is a sort of foretelling of the coming of God's kingdom. All right? And what we read from Isaiah chapter 35... Behold, your God, he will come and save you. And then Isaiah says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So one of the primary things, one of the signs of God's coming restoration was healed bodies sickness blindness deaf ears mute tongues those who could not walk healed now today is godet sunday does anybody know what godet means who wasn't at the service last night and found out the answer godet is a latin word for rejoice And it's why we light the pink candle today, because Advent is considered a penitential season in the church when we are taking stock of our lives, thinking about the return of Christ and are we living in such a way that he would be pleased and that we would would show ourselves to actually belong to him when he returns by our way of life. And so it's kind of a penitential season where we are sorrowful for for our sins. We're seeking God's mercy to, to transform us. But God that Sunday, which is kind of considered like the middle of Advent, is sort of a break from from penitence and is meant to be a celebration of joy. Okay? A little bit of church history, liturgical stuff there for you. And that's why we light the pink candle today. But that's why we have Isaiah's passage that talks, speaks with language of such great joy, because it, it, he's promising that when God returns, there's going to be great joy. And one of the signs of that joy is that there are going to be people who are leaping with joy because their bodies have been healed of sickness. Now, we turn, we fast forward about 600 years and we get to the ministry of John the Baptist and then, of course, his cousin, Jesus. And today in Matthew's Gospel, we get this strange little scene and apparently John the Baptist is a little bit bewildered by Cousin JC and the way that he's carrying out his ministry. Now, John, we think, historically, was part of a Jewish sect called the Essenes, which were um withdrawn from society in a lot of ways to practice the law in holiness of life. They wanted to follow the details, a lot like the Pharisees. But they wanted to live moral lives before before God and, and 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 many of them have good good hearts and wanted to do that. And John was one of them. And so when John comes as the forerunner to Jesus to prepare the way, John believes that the focus Right now in his day needed to be on the judgment of God against his people. That's why John the Baptist is famous for saying things like you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come to the Pharisees and scribes. That was uh, not a popular uh, Sunday. Nobody came back the next week after that sermon. But indeed, there was a place for him speaking about judgment. But John's focus was slightly misguided because he had an overemphasis on the imminent judgment of God. Now, here's the thing that we see in the ministry of Jesus and what's going on in this passage John is bewildered because he believed when Messiah came, when God came to visit and restore his people and bring his kingdom, that he was going to come with ferocious judgment. So John was one of those guys who was thinking, Messiah's coming, my cousin Jesus is coming, he's the Messiah. We're going to gather the troops, we're going to march on Rome, and Israel's going to come back to victory. We're going to slay the evil and the wicked, and God is calling his people to repentance, and judgment is coming with fire. He says the winnowing fork is in his hand. The axe is laid to the root of the trees, and John, is he is fire and brimstone. And he's zealous for, for the Lord and his holiness. And so he starts hearing, he gets imprisoned, and he starts hearing about the ministry of Jesus. And he's he's mystified by it because he hears, oh, yet yeah, John, this Jesus guy, he's supposed to be the Messiah. He's going around, and he's like dining with sinners and outcasts and like forgiving their sins. And he's healing people, like, pe- like people who aren't even very holy. He's like touching lepers and they become clean. And he's really like compassionate and gentle and his his message is one of mercy. You see, John was a bit confused and was bringing judgment on a little bit too fast. Okay, now hear me. I'm not saying God's not a God of judgment. He is. There will be final judgment. But you see, everything outside of the very perimeters of hell leading up to the very gates of hell is grace. You see, because God pursues people with his grace until, with every last drop of his energy until there is no more time and the time has expired and there's no more opportunity to receive his grace and to be saved and be transformed by it. So Jesus lives a ministry of profound grace. It's why he mingles with sinners and proclaims freedom from them. It's why he casts out demons to get people out from under the control of Satan. And it's why he heals the sick. And so John is confused about this. It doesn't make sense. And so he sends two of his disciples to go to Jesus and say, are you the one who is to come or should we expect another? John the Baptist doubted Jesus. And Jesus says to John's disciples... Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. That word offended in Greek, skandalizomai, it's where we get our word scandalized. Jesus says, blessed are those who are not scandalized by me. He's saying, John, you've been, you're scandalized by me, you're offended at me, but did you forget that with the passages of judgment in Isaiah, there were also passages about restoration, compassion, mercy, and the healing of the sick? Did Jesus' words sound familiar to you? He's quoting just about right out of Isaiah chapter 35. He says, in my ministry, what Isaiah said will happen is happening. The blind receive their sight, the sick are made well, the lame walk in the deaf hear." You see, he's saying, John, this is the way the kingdom of God has broken into the world and a movement of mercy and restoration and grace and forgiveness and healing. John, do not forget the words of the prophet Isaiah. You tracking with me? Yes? Okay. Jesus was always connecting his message about the kingdom of God with healing in matthew chapter 10 just a chapter before our reading today jesus sends out his disciples and he says proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you know what the next thing out of his lips is heal the sick demonstrate to the world that the kingdom of God is here and lay your hands on the sick and they will get well in my name by the power of God. You see, there's always a relationship between things that actually happen in this world that are signs of the kingdom, the kingdom that will come when Jesus returns in all of its fullness. But right now we get glimpses, windows into the kingdom. Every time we see the sick healed, or a demon driven out of a person, or the lame walk or the poor are cared for and the good news is proclaimed to them. Friends, Jesus calls his church to walk in that ministry of demonstrating tangibly the kingdom of God. Proclaim to those you preach to the kingdom of God is here and heal the sick. He says to his disciples after he was risen from the dead in Mark chapter 16, he says, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, the good news to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Say, I believe. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. The power of the evil one will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will get well. They will recover. Jesus's words to his followers. In John's gospel, chapter 14, he says it in a little bit of a different way. Jesus, he hammers this point home all throughout the gospels and we can't miss this. He says to his disciples, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes, say, I believe, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. I'm going to the Father. I'm sending my spirit on my people. And they'll do even greater works and more works than I did. Luke chapter 10. Jesus sends out, not his 12, not his inner circle. He sends out 70 others who are just little old me's and little old you's. And he sends them out and gives them authority And he says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Amen. Let's, it's goulash. He says, then he says this, heal the sick in it and say to them, guess what? The kingdom of God has come near. You see, friends, the kingdom of God is a present reality. It is here in our midst today. An unseen kingdom where God's power and God's spirit dwells. It has broken in through the person of Jesus. It's what he came to do was to usher in the kingdom of God and to die for our sins so that we could be a part of that kingdom and demonstrate it to others. And friends... I know it's sort of a dead horse that I beat, but the church in the West today cowers in such fear that we are not effective in carrying out this ministry. And friends, we cannot lose heart as a church pursuing the healing ministry, and we must persevere and grow in our faith to see the miraculous and mighty works of God so that when we gather in our midst, we encounter the spirit and the kingdom of God is put on display. Because when there are people who do not believe, who are in our midst, see the power in Jesus' name, they'll have to change their way of thinking. Remember, we talked about that last week just a little bit, changing the way you think. When uh, my wife and I, our first year of marriage, I've mentioned this before, we lived in kind of a rough neighborhood. It's called Axford Street. It was in uh, Flint, Michigan, and we had a big fenced-in backyard. We had a couple of dogs, and behind our house there was a, there was a house on a street over the, uh, in our backyard, and there was a gentleman who got a pit bull, and he kept it chained to the fence all the time, all the time. Just, just horrible. It was probably a, it was probably no longer than six feet long, his chain. And the pit bull just lived his life um, out there, chained to that fence. And one day, we thought it was horrible. We talked to him. He said, you know, you did it. And he said, oh, it's my dog. I know what I'm doing. You know, so on and so forth. Really horrible situation. But one day, we noticed that the chain was broken. But guess what? The dog was just wandering around in circles in the driveway. Because he didn't realize that the chain being broken meant he had freedom to roam. You see, we in the church, we can be like that. When it comes to how the indwelling Holy Spirit of God living in us, his temples, has set us free to minister in the power of God, to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick. But we've become so accustomed to thinking that we're still chained to the fence. And so we don't go, and we don't proclaim, and we don't heal the sick. And thus, we don't see any results. You see, Jesus said to his disciples, I give you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. You see, he says, I give it to you here you go, my authority and my power, I give it to you. But we have to reach out and say, I'll take that and I'll use it. It is the power of the enemy that keeps people chained to sickness. Sickness and disease and death are results of the work of the enemy that drew this world and allured it into sin and brokenness. When Peter is preaching to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, he says this, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I'm going to let you in on a little, little sort of interesting tidbit, but it's true. Jesus, when he walked this earth and he did all the miracles that he did and he laid his hands on the sick and they got well, he wasn't doing that to prove that he was God. Look at me, I'm God, I can heal the sick. Poof, miracle. Jesus, the New Testament tells us, emptied himself. He emptied himself of his divine prerogatives and powers and walked the earth as one of us, as a human being. I'm not saying he was not God for a while. He was always God, but he chose not to exercise his God power, if you will. Instead, what he did is he showed himself to be uh, united to us by being baptized in water. And when he came out, the Holy Spirit came down on him in the form of a dove and rested on him, and then he was sent out in power to carry out his ministry showing us what our lives are supposed to look like. Baptism, out of the water, pouring out of the Holy Spirit. God saying to us, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. And then being sent out in power to minister to those who are in bondage, to darkness, to sin, to sickness, to all of those things that Jesus has the power to do. It's really an amazing thing if you think about it. And and it, and it can get up here. It can get up here in this place. And I think most of us, myself included, struggle to get it like lower than here. Ugh, into the heart. God, I have your authority. You've given me your Holy Spirit. I'm a temple that you dwell in. Your power to heal, to set free. Reinhard Bonnke was uh, who, who just passed away. You may know the name because his ministry was based in Orlando. He's a German uh, man who was called in his early years to preach to Africa. And God kept telling him in his prayers, all of Africa will be saved. Africa will be saved. The nation of Africa, the continent of Africa will be saved. And uh, he was famous for his uh, crusades in Africa where there were millions of people sometimes gathered in open fields. The sick were healed. Uh, the demons were cast out. Uh, I, witchcraft items were burned in big barrels. People Came to believe in the Lord. They would keep track of people who had made decisions to follow Christ and become His disciples. And over the course of His life, um, He has led at least 77 million people to follow Jesus Christ. (laughs) But He was talking, I was listening to an interview of His the other day, and He was saying, I was at a meeting, And most of the people there were just on fire for the Lord and they were sensitive to the Holy Spirit's presence and they were hungry to see him do things. But then I said, I noticed a small number of individuals who kind of were just there. They just weren't alive. They just weren't into it. They didn't sense the power. They weren't seeking for it. And he said, the Lord spoke to me and he said, those are asbestos Christians. They're fireproof. They won't receive or seek after the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, would to God that we be a people that are flammable. Amen? Amen. Flammable. That the power of His Spirit, if we haven't experienced it, that we would seek after it so that we could actually live with the same power that was in Jesus and carry out the message. This place should be overflowing with people who are lined up to get healed by those who are laying their hands on the sick. And it's for us to stand in that gap. Say, Lord, teach us to do this. Some of you have heard this story already, but I'm going to tell it for those who haven't. I just don't have that many of these stories yet because I'm just getting started with this stuff. But I was eating in a restaurant a few weeks ago. And... Um I'm, I'm, it's lunchtime and I need to get back to the office and i'm reading a book But I always say lord, you know show me where there's needs around me and I see a woman and she's limping to her table She's walking with great difficulty like this And kind of just pulling the other leg behind and she's by herself and she sits down and the whole time Uh, I feel like the lord is, you know calling my attention to her and i'm going Ah, i'm this busy right now and i'm making up all these excuses. I'm studying lord. I'm reading christian books You know, it's kind of I need to stay focused here And I I get to the point when when i'm looking at my book and all I can just see is like the word go I can't even focus. The Holy Spirit's presence was on me so strong. Go. (laughs) You see, I still get nervous. I told you last week, the fear doesn't go away, but you have to have love that's greater than fear. And so I said, all right. I was finishing up my meal. I saw she was getting ready to check out. I went over to her and I introduced myself and I said, Hey, I've seen God. Um, I I noticed that you were limping. What happened to your leg? And she said, I dropped something really heavy on my foot. She said, I feel stupid, but I dropped something really heavy on my foot. There's a fracture and I just have to wait for it to heal. But there's, you know, a lot of pain and so forth. And I said, you know, I said, I've seen God heal some people miraculously in my church and in my life. And I said, could I just pray for you and ask God to heal your foot? And she was open to it. So I grabbed her hand and I prayed for her really briefly. And then I said, All right. Test it out. Stand up. You know, test it out. You always want to follow up. And um, she says, you know, okay. She said, when you were praying for me, my foot started to feel hot. And I said, that's a good thing. And and I wasn't touching her foot. I was holding her hand. And so she got up and she said, yeah, I think it's I think it's better. And I said, we got to pray again because if you felt heat, that means God's doing something. And she said, okay, standing there in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> I said, prayed for her again. Father, I bless what you're doing in her foot right now. I ask that you'd increase your healing power and that you would let it be healed. Okay. So we we finish and she says, yeah, you know, I think it's better. And she, we we part ways and she, she kind of cautiously walks off. And then I'm eating and I, I told her, I said, you're going to be well. You know, I just, I sort of declared it over. I said, you're going to be well. And I looked up about three minutes later and she's walking back in the restaurant like this. She comes up to my table and she says, A, I forgot to thank you. And B, I didn't even realize that I was walking without any pain or limping until I got to my car. And I said, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is the power of Jesus. It's not me. All I did was I just responded to his prompting because he had compassion for her more than I did. And he healed her. You see? And that will be my testimony until I get the next one. There are some more. There are some more. But you see, you've got to take testimonies and give glory to God by speaking them publicly so that faith grows in other people. And I want faith to grow in your hearts today, that you too can carry the power and the authority of Jesus. You see, the Lord works with us. Jesus, at the end of Mark's gospel, it tells us this. After he commissioned them to go and preach the gospel and heal the sick, it says, And they went out, that is the disciples, and preached everywhere while the Lord, this is, he was ascended into heaven already, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. And there's the heart of the healing ministry. It confirms the message. It confirms that the gospel is true that it's real, that there's one true God and what he has done has sent his only son to die for the sins of the world so that we might be reconciled to him from whom we were once estranged.